Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back. Welcome back to another Porsche Cooled podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things Porsche. Uh, we also talk about other things as well, but predominantly Porsche. We also talk about things that Steve and I have been getting up to and things we're bored and things we're doing, uh, but we're all Porsche-centric here. We're all talking about the Porsche, the Porsche world. Um, so I'm going to be joined with Steve shortly. Uh, Steve joins me uh, via Zoom from Australia. I'm currently uh, residing in or holidaying in or staying in London, uh, but I live in Bahrain at the moment. I'm from Sydney, and if you haven't listened to this podcast before, my name is Michael Bath, uh, and I'm going to be joined by Steve shortly. Uh, as I said, um, I'm in London. I own a nine. Uh, I own a nine nine seven. That's what I own. Yes, I own a nine nine seven Carrera, uh, two thousand and six model. Uh, but I'm dreaming of a lot more things. And if you go back through the old podcast, you'll uh, you'll hear everything that I've been talking about in the last few months and everything that's on my mind and uh, everything that I'm aiming to buy. Um, so like I said, this is a Porsche Cool podcast. We're available uh, everywhere. Uh, Apple is the main one, Spotify and Google. Uh, this podcast, I just want to do a little bit of update before I get Steve on the line. Um, this podcast now, we're going to do it routinely. It's going to be every Friday. Uh, this is the episode with Steve and I's every Friday. Uh, what we might try and do is I thought we might try and have a bonus or an extra episode, which will become live on Tuesdays. And I'm talking US, US, UK time here. So Tuesdays, US, UK time and Fridays, US, UK time as well. Um, it normally goes up about mm, one o'clock in the afternoon here in, in London, which is GMT plus one. Uh, I think that's about 5 a.m. in some places in the U.S. I'm not sure about other time zones. But anyway, so we'll have we'll have our routine one, our normal one, where we chat about all things Porsche. And then we'll have an extra one, which we'll still chat about all things Porsche, but maybe that extra bonus episode we might uh, bring in some other people to chat with, other Porsche owners, uh, etc. Um, just just to give you an extra episode every now and again. But, but normally it's one episode per week, uh, which is the one you're listening to now, which is every Friday. Uh, to start that off, I did an extra episode uh, a couple of days ago, which went live yesterday, Tuesday, and uh, which was just me solo. Steve wasn't a part of that one. I was just uh, testing the day and testing to see if you guys like to hear our podcast on a Tuesday. It seems like from the uh, downloads of the podcast, you actually do, which is fantastic. So we'll continue with that and we'll continue with, uh, like I said, we'll continue with our Friday as our routine and then we'll add an extra one every now and again, which will be on a Tuesday. Anyway, so now what I'm going to do now is I'm going to set up the Zoom and I'm going to get Steve uh, Steve on the video chat on the call from Sydney and we'll start this podcast. Uh, so this is the Porsche School Podcast. Uh, Steve will be on in a second. All right, welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, Steve is now with us. Uh, we had a few technical difficulties. Steve is now with us all the way Third from Sydney, lucky. Australia. Third time lucky. Hi, Steve. Uh, howdy. Who's out there complaining about my audio? <laughs> No. If, if only you knew. I think the audio, actually, we, Steve and I had a bit of a dilemma from the last um, podcast, not the one I just did by myself solo, um, but the one before that. Um, one. We had a bit of a dilemma thinking there was a lot of hiss in it, but it seemed to be hiss in some platforms, but not in others. So I don't know. There must be some oh, type of it? processing going on. But when I listened to it, you know, I re-listened to it in, in Apple, Steve, and Spotify, and mm. I put it through my headphones. It was actually fine. It's weird. Don't forget to um, give yourself a good rating. And Natasha um, did it too. We've got some more ratings during the week too. Thank you everyone for the ratings. We've got another re two reviews. We've got a review from Juzi in Australia. We've got a review from... Uh, <laughs> That's pretty some, cool. 
someone else. So we've got a couple of reviews, which is great. Um, so this is the normal episode of the Porsche Cool Podcast. As I said in the intro, um, we might try to do an extra episode, uh, Steve and I, on Tuesdays that will go live on Tuesdays, but you know, it won't be every week and it might be just every now and again and it might be a slightly different format. We'll, we'll, we'll work on that, but it's just an idea which I haven't actually explained to Steve yet. So he's sitting there going, <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, it's okay. But it's just, it's okay. just an idea of maybe bringing in other Porsche owners and talking to them about their cars. Um, but not a not a regular um, not a regular weekly thing. Uh-huh. But I thought it was a good idea. I'll tell you about it later, mate. Yeah, cool. All right. So here I am, still Porscheless. Uh, my last drive in a nine eleven was with Nick a couple of weeks ago. Did you go for a drive, Steve? I did. Um, I finally got off my ass and I woke up early on Sunday morning. Baby was good, so I went down south into the national park and went for a good. Uh, pretty good drive actually um i was a little bit nervous because um the weather in sydney last weekend was crazy it was snowing in the blue mountains and various places down southeast so i kind of thought maybe it might not be the best conditions to be going out on um on cup twos you know like at six o'clock in the morning when it was probably less than 10 degrees ambient but because it gets icy down there right down south i wasn't sure like you know how um uh, a lot of the roads there are kind of covered like with a lot of trees and there's water that sort of trickles down, you know, through the kind of bushland and everything. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of pondering whether or not um, it would be a disaster. So yeah, not not that I kind of fang on public roads, but I did, I was a little bit more careful. Yeah, but, um, to, but to, yeah, go on, sorry. No, no, no it's a good drive. Like um, I had, <laughs> I had a guy in a, White Mark III Golf, uh, it looked non, non-standard, um, chasing me on the way back. He was probably wondering what the granddad in front of him was doing in a, <laughs> in a GT3. He probably couldn't hear himself with that new exhaust of yours. He's probably like, oh, yeah, he's probably going, man, what's so loud? Something wrong possibly. with your car? It sounds if, like a cup if the car. the out there. Um, Doesn't it? But yeah, it's good. Um, it, it's really good. I'm, I'm really happy with it. Like, um, It's definitely louder, but I don't think it's droning. Um, so I think all the sounds that kind of come out of it are kind of really good. But did you it is um, did you record it? I uh, couldn't be asked, mate. If, okay. if you really want me to, I can. No, no, just wondering if you recorded it so you could actually hear it back. You know, uh, it's quite hard to record. I mean, I need to get tips from you. I'm not. Um, you need to stick a GoPro really on your back bumper so you can actually you know do that exhaust image that everyone loves doing on YouTube. Yeah, it gets boring gear. after about two minutes. Oh, I quite I, I quite enjoy a good um, exhaust feed. Like I'll 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 watch one on YouTube. So, mm. but I don't know. Um, a lot yeah, of people anyway. seem to be getting free exhaust on YouTube. I don't know. It seems like people are getting like free exhaust. So some people well, are. Is it all the sponsors? Um, yeah, I think so. I think Soul Performance does that. Soul Performance actually reached out to me. They never reached out to me again. By the way, they, Soul Performance exhaust system. I don't know if I've told you this. Oh. When they first. I think you'd mean came out they actually sent me an email the guy and, and offered an exhaust to me and i said no i said i'm okay with my vista and they never spoke yeah. to me again after that so it's john gados he used to be at um fab speed he's a really nice bloke i've asked him questions and stuff oh, really? before like yeah yeah i think he's really good in the porsche community and if you get on renlist and you read um his stuff he's not pushy like there's a bit of a gag on there mm-hmm. when you um, when you post about exhaust and fab speed, always chime in. But he, oh, okay. he went off to Seoul. Um, I, I, like, they sound really co- like good people. Like, so, uh, the service is good. There's a lifetime warranty on 
certain bits for GD3s and stuff like that. They so, seem to oh. be getting good reviews and mm. I think that's great and they seem to be like people seem to like it. I just hope that those reviews are not because they're giving people free exhaust to review and people just think that they get to have to review mm. it positively. I always I, worry about yeah. these things now with, with these products because, you know, someone gave me that watch roll a few weeks ago and I did a review mm. on it. But, and I said to the guy, I said, look, there's a couple of things I don't like about it, so I'm going to say it. And he said, that's okay. You know what I mean? I'm mm. not going to actually give them a positive review just because you've given me something to like for free, you know? It's funny you say that because um, your listeners don't more won't know my kind of uh, occupational background, but um, being from an advertising kind of background, um, not on the sales side but on the creative side, like the whole sort of social media type thing is basically just like a massive advertising channel. So yeah. I say it to my wife all the time, like a. Don't, don't believe everything that you kind of um, sort of hear and see and read um, in social media because a lot of that, uh, in the old days, that sort of thing would be a little bit, there's a little bit more of an honour system where you're open to, um, you know, you sort of say like when people kind of give you stuff, but it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a Wild West thing now. So Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. I, I know mean, what you're saying, know. but uh, just to be clear too, I I think um, from the bits that I've read on Renlist, like, Normal people that aren't on social media, etc., like just normal customers, have been really happy with their stuff. So yes, I yes, be. I have read. I had did read a thread somewhere about it, and it seemed like their product is actually good. I was going to get to that. I'm not actually bagging them, but I, I no, did no. read that. Yeah. But you have to be careful though, because there's a lot of people testing things, you know. And I remember what Chris Harris said on that podcast, and I mentioned it, I think, a while ago when we were talking. Um, that mm. you know, he just finds all these these people that go to these um, launches, car launches, these social media people. They just all they say is positive things. You know what I mean? It's like all becoming yeah. this. Did you hear that episode? It's just he said it's just becoming like what's real. You know what I mean? It's um, an age-old conversation about because um, that's sort of like uh, purist journalism versus um, sort of social media, sort of social media types that, that influences. And um, like I said, being having having an advertising background, I know exactly what he's kind of mm. saying. So it almost um, it almost though, Steve, it almost makes you want. In a way, I find all this, this saturation from all these influence and all these, these supercars and people buying these new cars every now and again. It's so saturated now that you really don't want to buy new cars. You want to start looking at classics and you want to see people doing channels with older cars. You know what I mean? Like oh, it's that's... almost got to the point where, I mean, it's good to watch reviews of new cars from, you know, um, what is it? Uh, you know, the guy, the English guy, the good guy. Harry? Harry, yeah, yeah. Harry, Harry Metcalf, he's awesome. Harry McCuff and um, Carfection guy, right? Oh, uh, Henry Catchpole? Henry Catchpole, yeah, that's it, Henry Catchpole. Like, it's good to watch reviews yeah, of, cool. of cars when they do it. I enjoy their reviews. But all the other fluff going around, it's like you don't want to see it. You want to sort of, I don't know, makes you want to go it's back to the It's because they're trained journalists. Like, you know, they're old school trained journalists. They know how to drive a car. They know how to review a car. And, like, it's funny because, like, we are actually now talking on social media to a degree. Um and it's sort of why I was so but we never we never tell anyone that we're me. a trained journalist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, it's just weird because I always catch myself like, how many times in this in the last whatever it is six podcasts have I sort of said to you, "Hey, I'm no expert. I'm no racing race car driver." Blah blah blah. It's because you know, like we don't get to kind of experience like press cars. Blah 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 blah. So I am very hesitant to kind of make out like I am an expert like not, for sure I've yet. got an opinion not but yet you don't not. have press cards yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't hold your breath mate 
Um, no, but you know, like Natasha, Natasha listened to oh. the, listens to the podcast, so don't be embarrassed. She actually told me she listens to it. I didn't think she did, and my wife listens to the podcast. And she actually said, it's really weird. She said, I'm listening to the podcast and I feel like I'm just in a cafe in Sydney and you and Steve are talking and I'm just sitting there <laughs> having my breakfast <laughs> and coffee. She said, it just, sounds like, one of your norm- it just <laughs> sounds like one of your normal conversations where you just sit there for hours and just talk about, you know, Porsche. So, yeah. I, and I take that as a compliment. I think that's a really, that, that's kind of what, that's kind of what it is. And that's the point of just it, yeah. us, us chatting over coffee or us chatting over whatever we're doing. Um, so well, that's like I said. I, I'm pretty sure Cindy hasn't listened to it yet, but um, I keep saying to her, like after we do one, it's like, oh man, I'm so, I'm so self-conscious of making out like I know stuff that I don't actually know. Like I can talk about my own personal experience with, you know, the three sort of various Porsches that I have owned. And it's just weird talking about stuff that you kind of read, but you actually haven't experienced for yourself, like I find. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's just yeah, me. I think it's okay. It's just, you know, it's what mates do. It's what people do. Mm. And all the people listening to it are our Porsche mates, so that's how it works, you know. So we're just one big group chatting. Yeah, cool. Basically. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll stop right. thinking about it. So I want to go back. I want to go back not to the insecurities. I want to go back to um, Steve's drive <laughs> because that drive, and, and I just want to explain it, is in the Royal National Park in outside of Sydney. It's south of Sydney. Um, it's a yep. really good drive and it, you, go down, you go down the mountain basically, don't you? You go down the mountain. There's a couple of really hairy uh, U-turns in it. There's a couple of parts where the road is really low where you bottom out and Steve and I always bottom yep. out. Um, yep. And it's also at the end of it, you go a bit further on uh, and you go a bit further on and you get to Seacliff Bridge and Seacliff Bridge is that famous bridge that's sort of suspended across the rocks, across the ocean, uh, which is in a game. I think it's Forza, Forza 3. I think it's in that game. Um, so it's actually a really, really good drive. It's one of my, you know, I think it's it's a really good drive because it's a close drive, but you get enough to stretch your legs, don't you, Steve? It's not like the old Pacific yeah. Highway, which is a bit, I always find it's good, but then it's a bit short. It's a bit short. And the old Pacific Highway used to be where you'd kind of go like 20 years ago. And then basically police, you know, would always be there. It's pretty much impossible to kind of get go there and not sort of come across the police at some point. I'm I'm probably it's probably exactly the same going down south as well, but it feels like a bit of a longer drive as well. Um, it's a better I, drive. I, I prefer it. Yeah, um, it's quite pretty when you get to that Seacliff Bridge too. But the putty drive we went on, which I want to go do again, um, the putty drive was good because it was um, we mm. didn't really see any cops. We saw ver- we saw very few cops that day. Yeah, true. So I, I mean, think, I went. Not that you were speeding, I, but you never don't see many police. When I went on Sunday, it was literally, I think, sun had just kind of come up, so it was about a bit past six, um, but it was really quiet, really, really quiet. Maybe everybody else was kind of worried about that weather thing that I was talking about. It's a nice apart time to from, go, though. Apart from white Mark III golf guy <laughs> yeah. chasing me. He'll never catch you. You should just say, mate, uh, you're never going to catch me. I was holding him up. <laughs> Oh, you're holding him up? Not to flash. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, I thought <laughs> yeah, you I mean so. you couldn't. No, oh, you're holding him up. What happened? You're yeah. going up the hill, though. You always go faster up the hill than down the hill. Mm, no, don't think so. No? You go pretty <laughs> fast, though. I gotta, it's hard to keep up with you. Um, okay, so where are we? Portugal Podcast. What are we talking about? Um, um, period Correct. I bought some gear from Period Correct. I've got my Mund hat on today. Um, and I just bobbed my microphone so you're going to hear that. But I got my Mund hat on. I bought some gear from them. They're really good people to deal with. Uh, if you want to buy some really cool T-shirts, look at Period Correct. This is not sponsored. It's just that the guy was very helpful and helped me out. So I just want to do a little plug there for them. Um, yeah, cool. 
So that's about it. I haven't been for any drives. I'm still doing my out, my endless searches for 911s on Bringer Trailer and P-Car Market and car sales in Australia and Auto Trader. Uh, Nick, who I went for a drive with a couple of weeks ago, he says I should buy a 911 in UK. Apparently, I didn't think I could because I didn't think I could register it as a non-resident here because I'm not a resident in the UK. Uh, I didn't think about that, that apparently, as a technicality. Yeah. He says you can. I thought it was something to do with the insurance, but he reckons you can do it, so it is possible. But then you've got to find parking. Uh, I don't have parking in this building, and for some reason this building will not allow you to lease out a car space, even though there's like the whole car park downstairs, Steve, I'm not kidding, is it's like empty. There's hardly... It's so like, while the residents... Yeah, it's like... Uh, it's probably like a tenth capacity down there. Not, I'm not Surely kidding. Surely you can it's, do a side deal. Apparently not. Apparently they won't let you do it. I don't know. It's like people keep asking and they keep saying no. So, that but anyway, that was, world, but yeah. that was something that came up, but I don't know if I'll do that. Hmm. All right. Um, what else? What else? Oh, last night, I was just talking to Steve about this before, and uh, huh. I'm going to mention Nick again because he listens to this podcast, but I know he fitted a very cool uh, fire extinguisher in his car, in his Carrera 4S. Uh, he had this metal fixing. I forget, Nick, what, where you said you got the, fit, uh, the fitting from, and I forget the name of the fire extinguisher. But his was really cool. It just sort of clips in, Steve. It's like a metal. It's a bit like the Renline fitting, a Renline bracket, I guess. It may yep. be a Renline bracket. I really, I, I shouldn't, I should remember. I can't remember. Does, uh, it attaches to the seat rails. Yeah, it's underneath the seat rails, and it's like it's like metal, and it's like really well made aluminium. It's like it's yep. a beautiful piece of uh, beautiful piece of uh, equipment. It's really well made. Yeah. Um, so I, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, do I need a fire extinguisher? I mean, I like how they look. They look cool. Uh, <laughs> and then, then, then Carrera. Uh, I think it's Carrera White on Instagram. I just sent you the link before, Steve. I think it's in mm-hmm. German, the last bit. I think he's in Stuttgart. Uh, he was really helpful last night because I saw a picture that he posted on his Instagram and it had a picture of his new leather pieces. Uh, I think um, we might have been talking about leather pieces in an old message with him. I was with him. Um, and he gave me the part numbers because I was reading that the Porsche, because it's the Porsche mount and the strap and the brackets. Uh, it's like plastic, I think, which goes under mm-hmm. the seat. Uh, and apparently it, you just screw it in underneath the seat. You know, the holes match up because it's actually OEM. It's what came available yep. on the 997. It was actually the factory part you could actually order from the factory when you bought the car new. Um, yep. He said the fire extinguisher is not available from Porsche anymore, but he got a Gloria fire extinguisher, which I think Gloria, I hope that's how you pronounce it. Um, Gloria fire extinguishers are what Porsche used to use. Um, so that's that. And then I was thinking that'd be a good idea to do. I checked Design 911 mm-hmm. in the UK and Design 911 actually have the parts. Uh, and I'll have to check with Nick how much he paid for his bracket and what his bracket was. Uh, so maybe I'll update in the next episode. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was about 300, I think it was about 300 pounds just for the bracket and parts from Porsche. Like expensive. The six parts yeah. that you had to buy. Uh, then you've got to buy the fire extinguisher. The fire extinguisher is about 50 quid. Uh, it doesn't look like Australia. I did a quick search seeing do they have Gloria fire extinguishers in Australia and it doesn't seem they – it seems like they don't. But maybe mm. they just don't come up on, on Google. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to ask you, and I don't, I don't remember where yours was. Some people mm. are saying it goes under the driver's seat and I know Nick has his fitted under the driver's seat and other people mm-hmm. say that it, it goes under the passenger seat. Um, I think Carrera White, I just sent you. Did under, have the it under the driver's. It's under the it's driver? Under I'm looking at the photo, yeah. Oh, okay, so his is under the driver. Uh, oh, yeah, it is too. So uh, most people were saying, no, it's definitely under the driver's seat. And I noticed on Design 911 here in UK, where I, where I bought the parts from before, where I'm going to buy the, the stainless steel seals from as well, um, they say the mount is for right-hand drive vehicles. So I, I don't know how the mount varies between right-hand drive and left-hand drive. 
but I guess if I right. wanted to buy it, I'd have to ask them. But I'll, I'll search what Nick has got and just see. But this is actually the, you know me, I'm a bit of a fan of OEM Porsche stuff, even though it might be plastic and cheap looking. Um, so that's what I was thinking about. Then I thought, oh, your GT3 had a fire extinguisher, but you no you longer have it in the car. And was there a reason for that? Um, because I know what you're sort of saying when you say that it looks cool, but the fire extinguisher that came standard with my club sport is massive. It's not like one of the little ones. Um, and, um, you know that they also have an expiry date on them. I think they, uh, they're like, um, harnesses. I'm not quite sure how long they last, but I think it's only a couple of years. And then pure coincidence that you just sort of mentioned fire extinguishers, because I think I was reading a Renlist um, post a couple of weeks back where um, some of the track rights were talking about fire extinguishers and a few people had mentioned that some of the smaller ones, not Bag and Nick's or Carrera White's. I think but, it's a um, one kilo. The one that he, I asked him, sorry, Steve, I asked um, Carrera White guy, I asked him what he used and, he, and it was a definite, it's one kilo. I think that must be the size that actually fits in the Porsche bracket. That's actually that size. Yeah. So, I, like again, I'm not talking from my own experience. Just what I read on this um, this interesting post was that um, a lot of the guys actually sort of said apparently that um, that size of extinguisher is sort of semi pointless because if you have a if you have a serious fire, they don't actually last long enough to kind of extinguish. And to your point about which side would it be mounted on, like. I think you'd clearly want to, like, so mine would be on the passenger side, but it's because it wouldn't fit. There's no way it would foot, fit in the footwell. Yes. And there's literally holes in the floor. But um, you also... But it has um, to be on the driver's side because it's supposed to be, you're supposed to be able to get it quickly. Get to access it, access yeah, because if you've got a fire And if it's on the car, passenger <laughs> side, you have to get out of the car, go around and pick it out. You've got to unclip it and all of that sort of stuff. I mean, look, if you're if you're obviously on the track, then you're you're also kind of harnessed in, so you've got to unclip yourself and all that type of stuff. Um, even for everyday driving, though. So it's funny because in this forum that I was um, reading, um, there's sort of like a new age extinguisher. So um, it's more like the size of like a flare, you know, like um, if you're stuck in a desert island and you need to kind of get somebody's attention it's literally sort of more like a tube that's nowhere near as big and thick and all of that sort of stuff um so it was newer technology and i looked it up that um to see if they were available in australia and they are like you can get it at um the four-wheel driving um oh, supply okay. stores because they okay. use it for that type of thing I think um, I saw it on the Gloria on this site that I was looking at Gloria fire extinguishers. It came up with it was something. It's called Flare something, right? They actually yeah. use the name Flare. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I saw the American version. Then I noticed um, that because you can't ship from America, there's sort of like there's an Aussie sort of uh, version of it, or um, you can buy it from an Aussie store, but um, much smaller, lasts a lot longer. Like it, I, I watched a video and I think it sort of went for over a minute. Um, you know, effective on electrical fires, blah, 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 blah. So it seems like um, that potentially if you're going to go down the fire extinguisher route that maybe that might be the sort of more new age technological version. And for sure it doesn't look as cool because um, it's not kind of clipped into a bracket and stuff like that. But Yeah, um, the Carrera White, the, the, the fire extinguisher he said is the Gloria... I couldn't find this number actually. I think they might have. I don't know if they've changed it, but it was a P1DB auto fire extinguisher, and it was one kilogram mm. of ABC powder. So it's mm. for oil, fuel. So it's powder, powder uh, fire extinguisher. Yeah. yeah, 
and it's yep. it's one kilogram because that's obviously the size that Porsche fit in that thing. And I was thinking when you removed your fire extinguisher, I remember now it's quite large, the one in your GT3, wasn't it? It's it was massive. quite big. It's massive and um, it's um, if you lift up the um, floor mats on the passenger side of my car, there's um, like two, two or four kind of massive bolt holes for it because it comes with a specific bracket. So the, and the bracket has I, a strap. I assume like it has it's a, really expensive. Yeah, but it has a retaining strap. It's like a retaining yep. strap. Yeah, that's like yep. the one that goes in the 997, the one I was looking at on yep. the Porsche parts. Um, the thing is with the, with the one for the 997, which is in the Porsche parts manual, they've changed the parts number. So if you do the search for those parts number, it doesn't always come up. That's why I couldn't find it. And then a mm. uh, guy on Instagram gave me the, new, the newer part number. So then I could actually find it. So, But anyway, yeah. that's just an idea. That's just an idea. I don't know why. I wasn't thinking about it. And now I've started to think about it. This is what happens. People see these things in your head. Um, and it's all about safety, isn't it? You need it, right? Not the, not, the, not the Porsches are like Lamborghinis. They're not like Italian cars. They don't just burst up in flames. Oh, English cars yeah. like the McLaren, I should say. McLaren, Italian and English yeah. cars. Well, don't speak too soon. Touch lots of wood. but um, If you had an yeah, air-cooled. Exactly. I was about to say, like, with the older cars, maybe you would um, potentially sort of be a little bit more cautious, but I'm not sure on a 997. I have no idea, um, but... You'd want to think that um, not many of those kind of have um, go up in smoke. So, Does anyone ever fit the fire extinguisher in a GT3 on the roll cage, like in the in the back area? Have you ever seen that? Don't, like do people actually don't relocate know, but, them? I don't know, but the, the type of extinguisher that I was just kind of mumbling about, um, I think that's the sort of thing where you could because it's sort of a lot smaller and lighter and all that type of thing. Right, right. Yeah, um, interesting. I, I noticed, like, when I was looking weirdly, because I don't ever use it, but for, like, um, camera gear, you know, like, to attach GoPros and all that type of stuff, um, there's lots of kind of places that make um, gear to, that attach to um, roll roll cages. Right. So I'm right. pretty sure that if you wanted to kind of find a specific type of bracket to kind of mount something like that, you could. Yeah, you stick the, you'll stick the fire extinguisher on the roll cage and you'll have no view through the back. You'll just see this big, <laughs> this big red fire extinguisher in your view. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think get one of the smaller ones. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the other thing I noticed, and I think you told me about it first and then I looked at it, is the new, hmm. uh, and I noticed it's on Instagram now, it's being posted all around the place, the Porsche 911 Reimagined Special Edition. I guess we should talk hmm. about what this ep- the episode today, we're just, Steve and I are just chatting Porsche things. Uh, there's a few things in... Porsche news that's come up and new models. So I guess it's about new models uh, and stuff like that that we're going to talk about. Um, but the first thing was this new model, this special edition they're calling it, which is basically just a, an addition to celebrate the Porsche, the first Porsche launched in Australia, right? The first first one that was sold in 1965. 1965 I think that was the story. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, but it's basically a exclusive manufacturer, 992 911 Carrera S. Uh, yeah to honour the first edition of the nine, first 911 sold in Australia, which is still in existence in Australia. I think it's in some museum, but they're, they're letting it out to, loaning it out to Porsche Melbourne or Porsche Sydney to display next to, the, to their new limited edition or exclusive manufacturer model. Didn't they say they spec'd it? Yeah, like they when did. You watch all the horrible kind of press release stuff. Sorry, like my yeah. cynicism is going to creep in very quickly. Yeah, no, but... I'm going to as well because I have a few problems with it. I have a few problems oh, yeah. with it. And I think um, the listeners should do a search for it. It's called Porsche 911 Reimagined Special Edition for Australia. That's a long search. So what you... it is in uh, 
the the two dealerships that they're talking about, the Melbourne one and South Sydney, they're um, owned by Porsche, um, which is probably why they've kind of got access to it. Um, it's just a bit of a marketing exercise, really. Yeah. <laughs> and so I can I've, say that because I'm in marketing. So. Exactly. Well, and sort of. I don't know what the problems you have with it, but I'll tell you the problems I have with it, Steve, yeah, yeah. is that if you go to the effort to do this and promote it, right, I'm going to be a bit critical of Porsche, Porsche Australia here, um, and it's a homage to, the, to that 1965 one. And the 1965 one was in stone grey, right? Yeah. I don't know how you pronounce it in German, but it's in stone grey. Yep. So they created a 992, you know, version of this stone grey. Now, like, if you're creating a 992 version of it, and this car yep. is... So obviously, the, the way they spec it, it's Porsche exclusive manufacturer. So obviously, they just get the car from Porsche, and they add the yep. exclusive manufacturer parts onto it in Australia. I think that's what they yep. do. But I still don't understand. If you're going to do something like this, why don't you make it a PTS color? Why don't you make it in the exactly. actual stone gray to actually match it? Like, why don't you go the full way? And I know that's probably a hassle because then they have to wait for them to come in, and this way they can just... See, the color they've spec it in, as you know, is um, is in crayon. crayon or chalk, depending on what country you're in. Yeah. So it's crayon in Australia, but I think it's chalk in the US. So that's what... And it, that is a special color. It's classed as a custom color, and it costs, you know, 5000 more in Australia or whatever it is it costs. Um, crayon is? Yeah, crayon's a, crayon's yeah. a, a, a more expensive color. Uh, it's yeah. not the base color. But I, I don't understand. Yeah. Why wouldn't you do it in but PTS? It's not- so my, my, I completely agree. Like crayon, crayon is um, sort of like you can get a Mechanin crayon, like the current, um, the updated Mechanin crayon. You, like crayon's like quite popular now and I don't mind it as a colour, but it's like that's really weird that um, the original 1965 car was stone grey. We know that you can kind of do stone grey because like isn't Zuckerman's um, Speedster in stone grey? Yes. Like it is paint to it's sample. A pe- that's what, it's a paint to sample so, colour. It's not that, it wouldn't have been that much uh, harder for Porsche or factory to kind of go and paint the thing in the actual same color as opposed to oh, something that's kind of close. Yeah, but I think, well, I think this is what they so do. Lazy. It is a bit lazy, but see, they just order a crayon Carrera S. They basically order it. No, they have, it has to be, it's not just done in, because in, exclusive manufacturer parts, no, when you factory. watch, yeah, when you watch the videos online, but yeah. exclusive manufacturer parts can be fitted by a dealer. They can be fitted by Porsche dealers, but there must be must be some things, not everything. And then other things are done in the factory after the car's produced. They go to exclusive manufacturer and then have you seen those videos yeah. where the, the guy does the car and then he takes off the pieces yeah, that yeah, he has yeah. to change and replace them? Obviously yeah, with yeah, the seals, yeah. they probably do that in the factory. But I, I, I agree, I, you know, this is the problem like we, the, we seem to both be agreeing here is that it should be in stone grey. If you're going to do a replica of this car, then it has to be in the right colour. Now the other problem I have with it too is one, it's in PDK. And I know the manual mm-hmm. Carrera S I don't think is even launched in Australia yet. I think it's launched in America, right? Is it launched in Australia? I don't know. Not sure. And I don't understand why you wouldn't do it in manual. Like you're trying to do a car that collectors are going to want that someone's going to be interested in, but you're not you're targeting the different market. You know what I mean? Like you're not targeting these people who would be interested in this car. So why didn't you do it in manual? And then those Damn door seals they put on there. I don't understand. And Steve, you will understand this being, you know, knowing how graphics work and knowing how, you know, things should be laid out. But I look at those mm. door seals. It's why is there so much text on the door seal? It's like someone ordering, like I can order a custom door seal and I can, you know, write a sentence on there and have them as a door seal on my new GT3. 
I can mm. order a custom door sill. It's like, why don't they just have, why don't they just have, um, I forget what it says. What does it say? It says, uh, <sighs> what does it say on the door sills? Sorry, I didn't, I didn't actually, um, Paid that much attention to the door sills. 1965 reimagined? Is that what? Yeah, it says 1965 reimagined. And to me, that's the door sill, right? That's it. (laughs) But it's got 1965 reimagined and Porsche something manufacturer, exclusive manufacturer partner or something. Like, so it's got all this text. To me, it looks wrong. I don't know. I just, I just find that door sills are better when they're simple and they're one line. When they've got two lines, they always look too, too jammed in. Just um, on the reimagined thing too, isn't that um, isn't yes. that a singer thing? Yes. Like, you know, like obviously the legal kind of people kind of got to the point where they were happy for singer to market using that particular word. So, <laughs> can singer counter sue for like Porsche using that phrase? I don't know. I'm jo- I'm semi joking, but it's just it like as a marketing exercise, it's very clumsily done. Like. Um, and like the bit that I'll th- sort of throw in, um, when you look at the the little videos, the online videos and the photos and everything, um, I, I'm sort of in two minds as to what I sort of think about um, the 992, but geez, how big does the thing look compared to like the old... I know, um, it looks like a truck. original 1965. It's massive. It, it's it looks double like the size, right? Bentley. Yeah. yeah, it's double the size, right? It's enormous, absolutely enormous. If, so again, with a bit of a advertising background, like if I, if that was 20, me, that twenty was years in advertising, mate. 20, 20, <laughs> 20 years in advertising is, is more than a bit. Don't undersell so, yourself. Uh, if that was me in that job, like when you take those shots, the one thing that you would do is make sure that, like, you think about all the things that kind of um, are sort of sensitive things um, with your kind of fan base, and one of them would have been like. Well, how big's how big is the nine nine two compared to the originals? Of course, they're always getting bigger. They said the same thing about a nine nine seven, but with the actual um, press shots that they took, um, they've they've made it look enormous. There's there's tricks that you can kind of do with photography and stuff like that to kind of not necessarily highlight it. But again, I'd just kind of go, "Oh man, um, you've done quite a quite a." crap job at um sort of trying to make the thing special yeah i agree they've got the rear shot haven't they or the front on shot and it yeah. looks the way they've done it is just i mean maybe should have they did it on an angle or something i don't know but the way they've done it looks crazy and and i even think that the shots they've done and i'm going to be I, I don't know i don't know if this is what you do if you're a car company or you want to advertise cars but they do the mm. that over the overuse shot at the roundabout near the opera house coming out of the opera yeah. house and then they use the other shot on Bronte along between Bondi Beach and Bronte and yeah. Sydney along that walkway. It's like those two places are like so like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, they just seem a little bit too common for me to take a photo of it. I mean, is that what you do? Do people recognize it or do you choose something a little bit? I thought it should have been in more of an industrial setting or something a bit cooler, you know, like um, a bit Lufkult like Luf of... looking, you know, not so like, I don't know. Or if, so... you go, if you go for authenticity, um, that original car is in Adelaide and still is in Adelaide. It's on its third owner or something like that. It's like, well, stick to Adelaide. Um, you know, there'd be some beautiful locations there. But yeah. you're right because I think, uh, again, in marketing faux pas terms, like clearly the person that's going to buy that car lives in Australia. Um, the last thing you're going to do is kind of take a shot of that next to the opera house because to a Sydney sider, that's a cliche, just as yes. you're basically kind of pointing out. Yes. So it's, it's crazy. Um, 
It's just weird. It's, it's, it's weird. Just, it's uh, like, are you selling to an international market? Yeah. No. But it looks like you're yeah, selling just, to someone overseas, right? You're, like, you're, you're selling like Australia's surf and sand and harbour or something. Yeah. So um, now that we've kind of aired all of that, there goes your press card that you were hoping for. From no. Push it like this. I just say that this wasn't... <laughs> yeah, true. But, you know, I think... I think that one thing they've done okay, I guess the interior doesn't look terrible. I mean, that that green club leather that they've used, I forget the proper name for it. But agave it's green. green. Yeah, agave, agave. green club leather yeah. with the crayon stitching. I don't dislike it. I don't think it's special. I don't dislike it. You know, I, I still think that the, the tan colored one, which goes with the the green that you used to have, the, you know, the new green version of that. I think that's oh, still... Aventura. Yeah, yeah, Aventura. I think that in the, and the tan is a better combination. I think the green looks okay with the crayon. Um, I think it's not a bad combination. I don't know about having the same color in the seatbelts though, like matching the seatbelts to, to that leather is a bit much. Um, I don't know. And then I think it's got wood, wood trim as well. Yeah. But I, I think the person who, who tried to do this was just... I don't know, they just, they missed it a little bit. I think they missed it a little bit. It's funny because when you, uh, again, don't believe everything, but the the two people that fronted it, there was a salesperson from Porsche Melbourne and um, Porsche South Sydney, um, and they sort of made out like they kind of got together and they sort of specced the cars out and stuff like that. It's like, oh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be shouting about it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's a, I mean, you know, good on Porsche Australia for doing a, a special edition to celebrate the first 911 sold in Australia in 1965, but it's not going to be to everyone's taste. You know, it's not how you would spec your 992 if you're buying one, that's for sure. And I think you could do a better job of specking a 992 than what they have. But obviously, they're trying mm. to match it up to that 65 one, and I think that's the problem they've actually like. Maybe they should have got the color right instead of worrying about the interior so much. Mm hmm. Don't you reckon? Agreed. Yep. But we sure love you, is. Porsche Australia. We don't hate you. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? <laughs> uh, the other thing I read the other day um, is uh, the Taycan, 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 and Panamera yep. are updating. Um, the Taycan one I found, I don't know if you... Exercises. Yeah. I don't know whether you read about the Taycan. I found the Taycan one quite interesting considering it that for the 2021 model... They're like, it seems like they're moving forward quite quickly. And I guess maybe when they launched it, everything wasn't ready. And then they kind mm. of, it seems like that it's moved forward a lot in one year. And I guess this goes back, Steve, to the thing like uh, Nick Murray always says as well, you never never buy the first, uh, the first year of a, first of a new model, yeah. first generation, first year. Um, but I thought the interesting Which thing was... contrary to Magnus Walker. <laughs> contrary to Magnus Walker, who only collects people that know Magnus Walker, he only collects, he wants the first year of um every night every porsche basically that's what his yeah. aim is to buy and he does he buys you know but i think when it came sorry we're gonna i'm gonna go off track a bit here but his 928 i think he always says that the 78 928s are still the best they're mm -hmm. more reliable out of the 928s because i know we've talked about 928s a little bit before mm -hmm. not much but i think he says 78 928s but then he want you know he bought a 98 996 you know i don't know about getting the first year of a 996 yeah um, I know, I know which way I'd go. Yep. Um, anyway, so you've probably read the same article. Uh, so the Taycan is getting um, over-the-air updates and a subscription model, which I thought was yep. quite interesting. So it's a bit a la Tesla. Um, 
And it's all I like think, Tesla. Yeah, and I think they're calling it functions on functions on demand. I'm reading this now, actually. Functions on demand. Um, so it allows owners to purchase and install new features over the air without visiting a dealership. So that's pretty cool. But the features are like power steering, lane keeping assist, Eno mm. Drive, which is that cruise control that knows by the Smart GPS where control. you are. Yeah, and it remembers to lift up if you've got a lift and etc. Yeah, I yep. think that's what it yep. does. It does all of the features in one. So I think I think that's quite a good idea that it's it can be done remotely. The thing about the subscription though, I mean you're going to end up paying more with these subscription services and is this the way Porsches are they testing the market with the Taycan and then when the 911s there's come an out option. there's an option to kind of pay for it like a larger fee just a one off kind of thing, but it's it's a Tesla. It 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 follows like the kind of benchmark set by Tesla, but Again, like in um, pure marketing sort of terms, everything's gone subscription model, like Netflix, you know, iTunes started it with music, et cetera, et cetera. So everybody's going to subscription. And they're talking, I was, uh, we, didn't, uh, we didn't sort of chat about this prior to this conversation, but um, it sort of made me think about the fact that um, uh, that car brands in general are kind of going for like as opposed to owning a car so like as opposed to you kind of going and forking out 250 grand for your brand new 911 um subscription models with brands are sort of going to be the next thing where you know you pay x number a month i actually found it because it's in it's only in north america subscription models you i mean i know even just with subscription models with general things that you have for you know cloud Mm. storage you know, if, if that was a one-off fee, are you actually paying, I don't know, you always feel like you're paying more with a subscription. I know you pay less because you're yeah. only going to pay monthly, but then in the long run, you're paying more. So it's actually a way for the car companies to get more money from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gouging you, basically. Um, but, yeah, sorry, my point was just going to be the interesting thing about um, ownership versus, like, just paying, like, a monthly fee to drive whatever Porsche that you wanted to do. That That's going to be the way of the future, and because... Um, like there's all these sort of statistics about young people these days don't really, you know, back in the old days, you would aspire to owning your home and your cars, the two big purchases. But apparently, um, statistically, young people these days don't actually kind of aspire to owning cars at all. Um, so car ownership is going to go to subscription, which is quite quite an interesting thing. You think about how um, enthusiastic and how much time and money and everything that we kind of spend on like the thing that we own we kind of love to death but there's this whole new kind of attitude which is oh i'm just going to pay x number of dollars per month just to own like to drive something and with the um the model the subscription model in um, north america it's kind of weird because you can sort of swap you can swap between cars but i've noticed that this is with porsche on there porsche yeah 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 so they've already introduced it. But it's only in um, one... See, I, th- I think the subscription model, and I, I really do, I think subscription model for with the electrification of the Porsche lineup and with the electrification yeah. of cars, I think subscription model is probably better than buying one outright. Or, you know, this thing where, you know, your car, you keep it for three years and then you let it go. You don't really ever own an electric that's, car. But that's, that's like a lease. This is kind so of different. This is where you're literally paying... X number of dollars a month. Like I've got it in front of me. There's a lower one that's two thousand one hundred a month, and you can choose between a seven one eight, a Boxster, Panamera, a McCann, McCann S, and a KN. And then there's a 
the better version is 3100 and they'll throw in a standard Carrera into that kind of mix, but there's no, oh, and a Panamera. So this is Porsche America. So uh, that means... It's only in one or two cities and they're kind of, it, so it was obviously it. like a, te- it's a pilot program and they're going to roll it out. Because this is, this is, this isn't new um, to like, it, it apparently you can do this with I think BMWs and Mercedes and stuff like that okay. in other countries as well. So you get it on the subscription model, and then on top of that, you add extra subscriptions for your inner drive and your lane keeping assist, and all of a sudden you get into a very expensive subscription amount each month. But you never right? own the car. But you never so own you the never car. But does that mean they're liable for everything that goes wrong with the car and liable for everything that needs to be fixed in the car? So. And you get rid of all of your um, all of your servicing fees, maintenance fees. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. Because it's sort of like um, it's sort of like a car club type thing, you know, like where you kind of go uh, for X number of dollars, I'll go in and I'll swap my car around. You, you basically kind of get to kind of swap your Porsches around, but you're plunging like two or three grand a month, but you never own the thing. It's like really, really different sort of mindset. I don't know. There's something nice about owning your own Porsche. Exactly. There's something nice but about owning it. I don't know. I... I I'm not used to, I, I don't think I can get used to that at the moment. I'm not ready for that. Same, look, um, it's, it'll be exactly the same conversation as whether you own your kind of vinyl or your CDs versus, you know, like back in the old days, you're kind of renting the music sort of thing. Or... Yeah, true, true. And some people still like to own their records and own their mm. CDs and some people don't. So I guess it's going to be the same with cars, you know, there'll be, it'll start. Yeah, it's just on a less much, and less, much less, bigger, less. grander scale. Yeah, yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, the other thing with the Taycan, did you see it, it's, uh, they've done something to the battery and this is what I always, I think you would hesitate in buying a Taycan, the first, the very first one. Um, they've optimized the battery. Apparently Mm. they've made the Turbo S even faster. Not that it needed to be faster, apparently from all the reviews I've watched. So they've shaved Mm. 0.2 or 0.3 of a second off its naught to 124 mile hour time. So what's that? 200 kilometers. Um, it's crazy. So it's crazy. It's even got any faster. It doesn't need to be any faster, let's be honest. <clears throat> so that was all with the Taycan. Uh, the other thing is... Um, New colours? What Didn't do you think? Did mention Frozenberry? <laughs> Frozenberry, yeah. That, that colour is for the Chinese market, I think. It has to be. <laughs> they launched to be. it in China, apparently. Yeah, it has wow. to be. It's a Chinese colour. You know, let's not be... You know, they've got to, got to have the colours for the, for the markets where they're selling a lot of them. And the Panamera and Taycan apparently sell quite well in China. Um, mm. Panamera does. I know the Panamera. Panamera, like I said before, is very popular in in, uh, in the Middle East. Um, the yep. color I like in the Taycan, though, is that blue. I keep. I think I might have mentioned it before that blue, which frozen blue metallic. I think it's called. Or there's a really pale mm-hmm. sky blue color. It's not golf oh, blue, okay. but it's it's like an yep. old. It's like the old Messan. Is it Messi? How do you say it? Messian? Messan blue or whatever it's called. Ah, uh, yeah, mice and blue or whatever. Mice and blue, yeah, it's like that blue. That's that to me in the in the Panamera with the with the wheels, even color the wheels yep. the same color as the body. That would be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's it. Uh, what else, Steve? Panamera. Do we want to talk about Panamera? We read. I read something about the Panamera. Uh, I'll talk about that. Yeah, they. It's being launched in a couple of hours, isn't it? The sort of new Panamera, but um, they did a press release about how it got the um, Nurburgring lap record at seven minutes twenty nine for the executive car category. That's um, cool. Which is <laughs> like, <laughs> no, 
massive cynicism again. It's like, wow, it, you're really you're really struggling to kind of um, say things about it. Like everybody knows Porsches are kind of a performance car, and like I, I read, I read the press release as well, and it's the car was specced on um, Michelin Cup twos. Um, who in the who's going to spec a Panamera on Cup twos? <laughs> I was nervous about driving on Cup 2s going down, like, um, the south coast and in a GT3 the other day. Like, who on earth is going to spec their Panamera with Cup 2s? That's what I thought. That was what I wrote down. Uh, they were specially developed Michelin. They weren't just normal sport Cup 2s. They were specially developed for the Panamera, yeah, right? It's mental. And then they're saying they're going to be off. They're not offered a standard, obviously, <laughs> for the reasons yeah. you said. Why would you offer a family yeah. car, executive car with Cup 2s? But they're going to be available as an option. Yeah. Sorry, I think I'm probably coming across like a massive hater at the moment. It's, no, no, no. I, I love Panameros. Like, they're, they're awesome. But I just sort of think, again, like it's a slightly weird, um, slightly weird kind of marketing exercise to kind of be launching, you know, like touting Nürburgring lap times for, a, for um, that type of car. But it shows you, though, that even Porsche is still, the market is still all about not to 100 not to 60 lap times mm. it's it's still obviously people still like to hear that and it's still a selling point because they're still using it do you know what i mean yeah, um, yeah, yeah. in the real yeah. world it's not that important and sometimes it's way too fast with these electric cars and even the panamera but did you see that the panamera that they did the lap in which they beat the mercedes amg gt 63s that was the mm-hmm. one that had the the lap of norschleifer and that was mm-hmm. set in 2018 but they beat it by, I think it was 7 minutes 29 something, and they Panamera did 7 minutes. Oh, no. 13 seconds. Yeah, they did 7 minutes quicker. 29. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did 7 minutes 30, the Mercedes. Um, but did you see that it was actually the fastest one they used as well? They actually used the um, SE the hybrid, the Turbo S hybrid Panamera. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> it was buried in there somewhere. Yeah. Again, like, because I'm using a marketing lens across it, but it's just a bit... <laughs> just very sort of odd because uh, normally i've got to say like from a advertising perspective normally porsche is actually kind of pretty switched on and quite sophisticated um but the things that we've just been kind of talking about um i sort of feel like from a professional point of view are a little bit kind of clumsy it's just not i think people are smarter than that in terms of the way they kind of perceive things I guess, you know, like you said, they're launching it today at, I think, 1 p.m. London time. You know, they're launching mm. it. These sort of things get get press for the car. Um, and it's good that Porsche is beating Mercedes-Benz. You know, it's a good thing. But, you know, you have to read deeper to see the specs of the car and everything and the way it's been set up. It's like when the yeah. Tesla Model S and the um, Taycan went head-to-head on the ring, right? Mm. Both of them were set up. The Tesla was set up completely different. It wasn't really a normal car, correct? Yeah, there's a lot so. of. They talk a lot about the sort of different ways that they're kind of tested. Just yeah. on the um, strip the acceleration out. times that you mentioned. You know, like you know these days, like all these sort of supercars and electric cars, EV cars, seem to kind of go naught to a hundred in less than three seconds. Um, a really interesting way of putting it. I, I listened to um, Andrew Andrew Frankel. Um, he's like an old UK journo, um, really well respected. He. He was sort of he was kind of talking about it on his podcast and said, um, uh, you know that feeling when you emergency brake, like how it's not a particularly nice feeling to kind of go from a hundred to zero in like yeah you know two seconds. Well, 
he sort of said like he feels the same way about like accelerating like in reverse if you go not to 100 in 2.3 seconds he just sort of said it's actually not a very pleasant kind of experience that sort of sensation and the g-forces and everything so he was just kind of slightly tongue-in-cheek I suppose but it was a good way of sort of saying like why is everybody chasing like um you know those sorts of times did you I I don't remember the story in full but I did just see it Mm. during the week as well um I think it was, I hope I'm not wrong here. I think it was a Model 3, a Tesla Model 3, and some guy did mm. a post. And basically that emergency braking thing, and apparently it happens in these happens in Tesla, Teslas, where it happened on a motorway where the car just came to a, it just came literally to a complete stop. Wow. Yeah. Like he said, it was very frightening. I'm pretty sure it was a Model 3. I hope I've got that right, but I was reading about right. it. And then people said, oh, you should have done this and you should have done that to stop it. But apparently it just came, it comes to an emergency stop and apparently it happens. It happens with the Tesla. Yeah, I don't know. That a bit scary. scary. But you yeah. know, the, the, the scary thing with me with electrification and these cars that are doing sub three seconds is they're doing sub three seconds and they're quiet. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you're taking off from naught, from zero and, and you're getting there in under three seconds and you, you don't make hardly a sound. And the sound of electric yeah. car I always find very, you know, that wishing sound when they go past you, you can't hear them. You really cannot yeah, hear it. Yeah, pedestrian in London, would be interesting, yeah. Yeah. In London, when you, you know, when you, like a i3 comes past you or whatever, and, you know, you just can't, and Teslas, you can't hear the things. Sure, you can hear the sound no. inside, and you're living in this car, in this Tesla or the Porsche with the sound pumped in, but no one outside can hear your car. It's the way of the future, mate. You and I are like the two grumpy old men in um, the Muppets sitting up on the thing. No, kind no, of. no, not grumpy. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, like the, the, the speed, I don't... You know, it's it's good that they can. I mean, to get these speeds, there's a lot of engineering that's gone into it. But mm. you know, when it's quiet, to go that fast, like that's scary. I find that really scary. Yeah, I'd love to have a go. Like, um, you know, all the all the journos that I'd sort of follow and listen to, etc. Um, everybody says the Taycan is a pretty amazing kind of car and experience. It's just yep. different to what we're used to with um, <clears throat> all right, internal combustion engines. Let's get on to the fun part. Let's talk about the new GT3. Let's get back to something that sounds proper, sounds real. Uh-huh. Um, so the new GT3, um, I'll get to the GT3 RS because something just came out yesterday, which you saw as well. I'm sure everyone else has seen it because it's been all over the over the internet. Um, so the GT3, uh, originally I think they were going to unveil it in Geneva. Was it Geneva? Yeah, Geneva. So that was early in the year. They were originally going to announce it in Geneva, but they haven't unveiled no, it yet. I think it's early next year now, isn't it? Yeah, it's I think to be first quarter of next year, I think. Yeah, I think that's what I read. It's going to be first quarter, so sometime beginning of 2021 they're going to launch it. Obviously, I guess it's going to be done remotely. It'll be like the launch they did for something else, the Turbo, wasn't it? The Turbo they did remotely. So basically, uh the GT3, as we know, it's going to get more power. Um I don't know how much more power. Have you read anything about the power, Steve? I haven't no. actually seen how much more power they're, they're rumoring to, to add it's to it. It's all speculative anyway, so. But I think what I did read is that they're not, they, actually, I know I did read something. I read that they're going to do a slight bump in the power, but what they're doing is they're working at Porsche's engineers and making sure to, they're trying to cut weight and improving suspension and improving the aero of the car, the aerodynamic effectiveness of the car, of the new GT3. Uh-huh. So I think that's what they're doing. So I guess when you do that, you'll eventually get some more uh, speed anyway, right? Yeah. Well, if you're on a track, it will. Me driving down, um, me me driving through the national park, um, being chased by a white 
golf mark three i don't think so but yeah, yeah. you'll see no change <laughs> <laughs> but anyway it has to be fast i don't know what i don't know what the the 991.2 gt3 tra- times were but i'm guessing as every porsche that's brought out it's going to be faster than that so that's good yeah um they say that it's still going to be uh, a manual and a pdk so they're going to offer both transmissions yeah. um the interesting thing that i did read in the article i was reading uh is that the 991 gt3 touring uh, because it was so successful and people seem to love it, um, they're going to bring that out again in the 992. There is going to be a touring. And I think there was a photo. That I think there, someone did post a photo. Maybe Automotive Mike on YouTube did post an image of what he thought was the touring going around the ring. I'm pretty sure. I think sure I read something. F- All of this stuff speculative too, but I think I read something saying that they were considering doing a PDK touring. Which is yes. kind of... Um, yeah. They said they're going to offer it in both, right? Manual and PDK. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so does that mean the, the touring... Works, so yeah. then the touring becomes more like a package, which it was always called a package. Porsche never hid that. They always called it the touring package for the GT3, right? Mm. So it becomes just more like a... You know what I'm trying to say? Is it? It felt quite raw when it was just the touring and manual, but if it offered in pdk is it just going to feel like just another model they're trying to sell you i don't know yeah possibly i mean it was like rewind back to like a 996 or a 997 if you go and buy a gt3 there's a club sport and a touring and the main difference was whether it had the cage and the racing seats or just the standard seats kind of thing they've obviously kind of evolved that um to now removing wings and um sort of you know, different, slightly more uh, differences in characteristics in that. Yeah, true. I know. I, true. Um, I guess more choice for everybody is kind of um, interesting. And then some people kind of feel like a GT3 really should have a wing. Um, other people don't. I've never, not, never been in the position to buy a brand new car. I have no idea if I have my own opinion of that. I mean, you're right. The Touring is not a new thing, is it? It's been around since the 996, the first GT3. Mm. You could get the touring mm. option, which, like you said, it didn't have a club sport package, and it has the comfort seats. So, yeah. So basically, yep. it's always, it's not a new thing. Um, so that was it for the GT3, and then uh, what else were we going to talk about? The GT3 mm. recipe. I guess we came yeah. across something that we read. I forget, and I haven't even got the source of this article. So um, trend. Mm? You told me it was Motor Trend. Did you Motor tell trend, me it was, was Motor it? Trend? Oh, uh, maybe it was Motor Trend, yeah. So they had this thing in there called the GT3 recipe. And I just wanted to talk about this because of Steve owning a GT3 and because we did the previous podcast on the GT3. And they have, you know, five or six, five things, I think, that is from when the GT3 first appeared in 1999, it's, it's followed a, a sort of development path, correct? Yep. Um, so... <laughs> Have they missed anything? I don't know why I'm even talking about this, but what, have they missed anything in those five steps? So they reckon that the, five, the GT3 recipe is um, aero, aerodynamics, heaps of aero um, to basically, um, what are they doing, Steve? Adding downforce. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just hanging you out to dry. Yeah, I know you are, actually. <laughs> I've, 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 got, I've got the same notes in front of me because um, they sort of said in uh, the first 996 GT3 um, obviously had an aero kit, which is the spoiler at the front and the wing at the back, etc. But it actually kind of added zero downforce. Oh, that's right. The 996 didn't, did it? Yeah. 
it probably would have just been neutral in terms, so it probably didn't lift um, at speed, which like probably cars in those days did, but. Yeah, so with, with the new GT3 coming out, I guess Porsche follows this recipe. That's what they're saying. And there's five steps. Mm. And the thing is, the aero, uh, even though the yep. 1999 one had zero downforce, the, 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 yep. the aim of the aero is to increase downforce. Um, raise the revs, which we spoke about in our GT3 episode, um, that the GT3 is high revving. Correct, Steve? Yep. So the calling card is, um, you know, like, wow, I suppose like, no doubt they they got so much uh credit and glory and all of that sort of stuff from having a re- engine that revs out to nine grand um surely they can't drop that anymore like it's it's going to have to kind of stay that way isn't it until they make some major change and it goes like hybrid or whatever yeah well that's the problem isn't it the high revs and then they have problems with all the um legislation all the emissions and etc as well so it's like a balancing act with it isn't it um, um so how's the new GT3 going to sound? Um, the, um, the, other, the other part of the, the recipe is increase the grip. So we already know yep. that. Uh, wider tires, bigger wheels, um, yep. lower. Wider track. Yep. Yeah, wider track, lower suspension. So the 992 yep. is obviously going to improve on that. Um, brakes, um, the brakes get bigger or the brakes get better. One of the two, normally bigger. Or they introduce... Or they introduce bigger and better technology like um, ceramics and whatever. I don't even. What are the white ones these days? That's actually more a coating to kind of reduce. Um, yeah, dust, it's like it? yeah, it's not ceramic, but it's they call it something. They use ceramic in the name, don't they? Or carbon in the it's name. Got, I think it's a coating over coating. the top of steel or something like that. Yeah, it's not as expensive as getting the full full carbon ceramics. Um, but they're saying that the nine nine two because the nine nine two Career S has three hundred and fifty millimeter. Uh, front discs they say that the 992 gt3 could wear similar brakes to the carbon rotors that are on the turbo s um, i don't think they'll be exactly the same but i think that then the ones on the turbo s are 420 millimeters how big are yours your rotors on I'm your no car idea. no idea I can't. but they're getting huge no. aren't they like they're actually they're getting enormous so what size mm-hmm. wheel do you need what size width of wheel do you have for that um, they've been they've been enormous for a long time like porsche has been so famous in general for their brakes like even remember go back to i keep banging on about my um 964 and my 993 um the brakes on porsches are brilliant and that's not purely from the size of the disc um i'm assuming there's a lot more to it than that like um the calipers and the way that it's kind of the bias and all of that type of thing um so like brand new kind of gt3 like a 992 gt3 with kind of crazy big brakes just must be insane yeah I mean, I find the brakes on my Carrera good, and it's just the base standard exactly. brakes. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, exactly. I, I mean, yeah. I guess when you go up to an S, they're even better, and the GT3, they're better again. But I even find my, yeah. my brakes are fine. I mean, they stop. Yeah, exactly. They're perfect. You know what I mean? They're much better yeah, than any really other good. car I've driven. Yeah. So, yeah, as soon as you jump into a normal car, um, you start to appreciate more like exactly how good the brakes in a Porsche are. Well, you, you know the feel of them. This is a thing mm. that I have with that Audi in Bahrain, which is, doesn't have good brakes anyway, but... I can't judge the feel. I can't judge if I'm going to stop. And sometimes I don't think I'm going to stop. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah. quite scary. The Porsche, I always, I know how I can stop. I know when I'm going to stop. I, I yep. you know, I know how it's, it's consistent. And I think that's what's yep. great. It's consistent. And, and maybe it's different on a track when, you, you know, you get fading. But in normal road and normal driving circumstances and normal, you know, um, twisty driving, I know yep. how it's going to perform. And I feel confident 
you know, with the brakes. I'm not sure. The only thing, and getting on to driving, the thing I'm not sure about is how much mm. grip the back end has. I never know how. F- I know you've said this before. How you always say, you know, you, you know that it's got heaps of grip, and your car won't won't lose grip. But I never, I never, I I still haven't driven the car enough to realize what its limits are. So you'll never find that out until you go to a track, I reckon. Like when you're in Sydney one day, I think we need to kind of go and do one of the auto house sort of private track days kind of thing for grumpy old men from the Muppets like us. Yeah, I'd like to do that. I'd like to do a track day. I I just don't think, you'll never, we'll we'll never, you'll never kind of discover that sort of thing on a public road. um, You don't think so? Not even if it's wet? yeah you but like do you really want to kind of try that like i didn't just you, don't didn't you do that in your 964 once you lost it on a roundabout when you went around a roundabout no that was 993 Are your parents <laughs> yeah that was my 993 <laughs> <laughs> wrong porsche mate <laughs> i remember you said the story where you lost the back end on a roundabout or something right or you yeah, went into yeah, someone's yeah. garden no <laughs> I clicked the curb. <laughs> I've lost taunting, the tail on a parent, <laughs> The neighbours in your parents' suburb saying, who is this yeah. hooligan? Yeah. This is a young whippersnapper. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know about this fifth point they had for the recipe. They call it look sharp. I don't know what that means. I don't even know why we brought up this. This recipe seems a bit... Appearance. Oh, the appearance, mm. yeah. So the appearance will change. Appearance will get better, I guess. Um, it's just whether or not, like... Uh, it's pretty obvious that Andy Proininger um, knows what he's doing and knows how to kind of build and hone a car and stuff like that. So I think um, they're in pretty safe hands. Whenever uh, They're very clever in terms of using him as a figurehead and stuff like that, but I think whenever you kind of see him speaking in all of his kind of journalist duties and stuff like that and even on instagram i I follow him on instagram and i think the stuff that he says is actually kind of he seems like you know pretty kind of grounded guy yeah i follow Um, him seems like a big reason he was out enjoying his boat on the last post i noticed it's living yeah but you kind of get a sense that um he's not gonna like he's probably defending people that are wanting to kind of make it a turbo or make it too heavy or you know do certain things to it yeah, he's trying to keep and the GT. He's trying to keep the GTT, the essence of the GT3. There, he's he's keeping it. You know what yeah. I mean? But I think that's why the isn't that's why the why the um, the spider, the, the the new spider, the Cayman spider or mm. Boxster spider, whatever you call it. That's why yeah. it's so good this this generation, right? Because he now has a hand in that development of that yeah, that spider. And the previous one wasn't in the motorsport division. Yeah, so he because he does, it's it's actually got a lot better. And he actually said in a podcast, I think, with Spike or somebody, that he actually had yeah. that car for the weekend. I think Spike or whoever was I think it was Spike, he was a bit surprised yeah. that he had a spider and he was saying how great it was. He said this is a perfect car. And like yeah. he was he was selling it. Did you hear that episode? That he had yeah, it yeah, and yeah. he said it was a great car. And I, I think the spider is quite a good car by the way. I actually do yeah. I do like it. I think it's a bit expensive, but I, I do like love it. Love one. Yeah. I mean, slight change. Get one, um, Buy it. Yeah. Sell the yeah. Macan and buy a spider. <laughs> <laughs> Can you, you put a baby wife? seat in the spider? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, slight tangent too is like, you know, with all the um, the kerfuffle about the new Gordon Murray T50. Yes. I didn't know there was kerfuffle. Really? I watched the numerous videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's really interesting because he's obviously the kind of grandfather of um, the McLaren F1, etc. But I'll... I'd be really interested to see if, um, because he's gone off and kind of not not been beholden to kind of big corporations, blah, blah, blah. He's sort of stuck to this principle of it's not about naught 
to a hundred times. It's more about, you know, like the kind of experience and put into the mix practicality and that's driven by weight, uh, you know, making sure that it's lightweight and all that sort of thing. Mm. Like, I wonder if he pulls it off and this car is as good as like it potentially kind of could be, I wonder if that would sort of encourage like some of the big kind of corporate car makers like, you know, M, the M division of BMW and blah, 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 to sort of stop chasing kind of like all the kind of crazy power figures and sort of go back mm, to understanding maybe. understanding that um, the thing that people seem to be appreciating more now is less about that sort of statistical type thing and more about, you know, the experience and the feel. Yeah, Really interesting to see if he. Um, I mean, I think everyone knows who Gordon Murray is, right? He he developed yeah, the yeah. F F one McLaren F one. Uh, mm. What was the other one he did? The SLR Mercedes Benz SLR, right? Yeah, yeah. But I I thought that was interesting. I don't think it's a good point you just made, and I think it was interesting those videos watching him just as a as a, as a as a car designer, someone who's so you know established as a mm. car designer, and asking him asking him what he didn't like about the F one. You know what I mean? And he was saying because yeah. it was done in clay and it was too late to change it. And I think yeah. one of the things was the distance between something, the distance between the back where you see the something in the panels, yeah. like these little minute things. And he said, it still bothers me today to look at it. I still don't like looking at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's a weird, different way of thinking. And there was other things too. I can't remember all of them. But he said he owned, I mean, they brought in one of the episodes in the Top Gear episode on YouTube. If, if everyone hasn't seen it, they should watch it. Uh, they bring in his original car. They bring in the car that he had actually sold, mm. the original F1. And mm. then they talk about the new car that he's developed on his own. Um, even, and um, he said that he used to drive it. Did you, did you watch that one, the Top Gear one? He said he used to drive it mm. all the time. And then it went up to a million dollars. And then the price just kept going up. And he said it was just, he just had to sell it. It was just too, too, too expensive. Much. It was to, too expensive yeah. and too expensive to insure. And so he eventually the sold the car. Of it. Yeah. yeah, the responsibility. Yeah. Because now they're worth what? 20, even when Jay Leno 20, went out, twenty-two yeah. million. It was more than twenty million, and I, you know, like, I, I'm no idea, but I'm guessing that he's he's probably not doing too badly in terms of he's a wealthy guy. But um, he's gotten to the point where the car that he actually kind of created is worth so much that he can't actually kind of drive it as he intended, which was you know sort of like a everyday kind of supercar. But it's good. It's good. It's got that status, I guess, and it lets him do what he's doing now. I think the car that he introduces, yeah. the one he's introducing, is not bad looking. It looks quite good. It's quite small, though, they say. It's very small. Yeah, I think he said that it's the size of a Boxster, I think. Really? I think wow. it's got the basic dimensions of a... I think it was a Boxster, yeah. A Boxster for 2.6 million euro or whatever it's going to cost. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> there's, there's bits of it that I don't think looks that great, but looks are obviously very kind of subjective. People will buy it because they'll think that it's going to appreciate like the um, F1. Anyway, we're getting yeah, off track, of not Porsche, but all car related. But yeah, people, I, it will sell. But it's not launched until 2022, I think. Yeah. Look, Something like that. The reason why I just raised that was just the sort of recipe for a GT3, like those sorts of things, which are aero, kind of high revving engine, um, grip, uh, great braking and looks. Just interesting to see if performance cars kind of... Um, sort of go in a slightly less statistic kind of chasing. Um, experience, not the, speed. Yeah. Handling and experience, not speed. Andy Pointinger sort of mentions that quite a few times, but like he works for a big corporation and like they have no choice but to kind of go, 
you know, the next car is faster, more powerful, you know. Yeah, because everyone's doing it. And then with Ferrari, yeah. Ferraris are getting faster and faster. And as they say, they're getting heavier and heavier. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they've got to get, yeah. engines got to go bigger because they're getting so much, they're getting, they're putting on all the weight to, to keep yeah. this, to, to be able to do this sound, to be able to do this speed. They're putting on weight. So yeah. it, it's got to stop somewhere. Um, and yesterday's, I think it was yesterday's, yesterday's images on um, Nürburgring um, of the, apparently the first prototype of the 993 GT3 RS. Um, mm -hmm. Now, I read something before, which I was telling you about, is that people are saying it is. I know I, I, I saw so many posts when I woke up this morning on Instagram about it, people saying it is, and then there was, a, there was a sound clip. Someone had got a sound clip of it, and it was quite a deep sound. I mean, it sounded okay. Um, mm -hmm. But some people are saying that it's not 100% that this is going to be the uh, GT3 RS. And they say it because basically they're, they're suggesting that it could be the cup car. And yep. the reason why they think it could be the cup car is by the size of the wing. Which is enormous. It's that um, swan neck um, sort of design where the, the spoiler blade is sort of suspended rather than kind of propped up from underneath, right? And they're saying that the swan neck is not... It's not that Porsche may not be introducing that swan neck uh, for the wings on both the GT3, because I think the GT3 prototype had it as well, right? For the GT3 and the GT3 RS. But is this one yeah, actually a cup car because the wing is so huge? So I think the way, I think the design of the wing is going to be the swan neck, but I think maybe, I don't know, this, this to me looks like a car that you, it's not like a, the GT3 RS and 991. That wing was big enough, right? This wing is... If that's the size of the wing, that's enormous for a car that you're just going to drive around Sydney or London in. Let's be honest. It's a bit crazy, right? So maybe it isn't Maybe it isn't the, the, the normal GT3 RS. Maybe it is a, the cup car or something else. They, they seem to obviously kind of... Um, to reference um, all the kind of motorsport cars because the, you know, the vented wheel arches came from motorsport. Like all of these sort of bits kind of keep sort of following through. Um, I guess, I guess you could kind of have a look at the current cup cup car. I don't know if it's got that um, that Actually, good type point. of spoiler and see if it's kind of moving moving through the lineage kind of thing. Did you like the de it had the detail on the bonnet on the hood was quite good too. You see how it's got the scoops on the hood. It's slightly different detailing compared to the previous yeah. GT3 RS. If it is a GT3 RS, um, and also yep. the article I read it said that if you look at the fender, and I said this to you before, is that, that they reckon you can see a charging point near the fuel cap in the same position where the Taycan one is. I don't know whether it is, but I mean, surely um, it can't be a hybrid hybrid 911 GT3 RS yet. I mean, hybrids are still a bit of way away, the hybrid 911. Maybe yeah, the second generation 992 or the next generation. They'd be developing that sort of thing for sure because they admitted that in the when they released the 992 that there was space, um, you know, somewhere up the front um, to for the car to kind of receive um, an electric motor to drive the front the front wheels didn't they so maybe surely it they're is. kind of looking at it but maybe if if they're saying that's a that's a um charging point maybe it is a race car maybe that is a race car version maybe it's not a, a normal um street version yeah maybe it's know. got some kind of battery system in it who knows anyway time will tell but that was that was all over the internet yesterday that's why we're bringing it up and that's about it yeah. i think oh the other thing the sales of porsche did you did i don't know if you saw this article steve um, no, I didn't. I thought it was quite interesting because everyone's saying that car sales during this period, during the pandemic, during COVID-19 are going crazy. Um, 
everything I seem to watch, like even with Bring a Trailer and all those places and even car dealers who are on YouTube and that everyone seems to be saying they've got no stock and cars are selling. I mean, I, I don't know whether this is new cars, but it, maybe it is new cars. I thought it was just classic cars or used cars. But Porsche apparently, um, their sales for the six months of the year dropped 12.4% during uh, the pandemic. Hmm. I think I said they raised before they actually dropped. <laughs> they dropped 12.4%. And their most popular model is, take a guess. Can? Yeah. No, Cayenne. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cayenne's the most popular, which accounted for 39,000 odd units. Then the Macan yep. at 34,000. So pretty close. Macan and, and Cayenne are the two best uh, where the money's coming from for Porsche. Well, Macan is, is where sort of like the older of the two as well. Yeah, and then Cayenne would have been the newer, more interesting thing. And then the Macan will come up as, as an electric car in 2022 as well. It's all going electric, which we could talk about in the next ep- in another episode. Um, but it said the 911 range actually had achieved growth. And that's obviously, like you said, because of the new 992 model, 2.2% growth. Yeah. But, you know, the numbers always surprise me when I see these. 16,919 units of 911. That's it. Mm. So, you know, compared to 40,000, say, of the Cayenne. So yep. it's a big difference. It's a big difference. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and 5,000 Taycans were sold during the time as well. 4,480, 4,500 Taycans. There'd be so many. There'd still be queues for that thing, wouldn't it? Yeah, and then you got the waiting list those. as well. So I thought the numbers yeah. for the Taycan were quite a lot considering the price of it. I mean, it's not cheap. I've only seen yeah. one in London. I told you that. I saw that one black one. That's it. I haven't seen, I haven't seen a turbo. That wasn't a turbo, I don't think. I think it was a 4S. I, I, there'd just be an ilk of customer that has a lot of money and just wants to be in the latest, greatest thing, like with anything like watches, whatever it is, um, and they've kind of got the cash to burn. They previously had a Tesla and, you know, now there's something kind of cooler. I think, I think from what we said earlier, though, I think you'd wait. You'd wait till the 21 model came out. It seems like they've improved it already. You know what I mean? You wouldn't buy one now. You'd wait to the new model, Steve. I think if you've got enough money, it doesn't matter. Yeah, true. <laughs> All right. What else? Hey, I think I that's just, it. Yeah. There was one other thing. Um, you mentioned in a previous podcast on the YouTube, your YouTube channel, that um, uh, a mate of yours or a follower, Nick in Melbourne, was it? Um, yeah, Nick that used to own a GT3. Yeah, so he made mention. I I sort of just because you mentioned it in the podcast, I, um, I just went back and had a look at um, the comment and he... He made a really interesting kind of comment in the post, in the comments about um, he used to own a, a GT3, a 997.1 GT3, is it? Yeah, yeah. So this is going um, back to our GT3 episode that we did, which we also put on YouTube. Um, so yeah. this is just a comment about, uh, we were talking about tyre life and maintenance costs, I think, weren't we, Steve? Yeah. Uh, so I kind of cut and pasted it in front of me just um, because I didn't want to misquote it, but he basically was just sort of saying that in and amongst sort of um, daily driving, so he I think he daily drove it, plus he kind of did a bit of track work. Um, and he was saying that he went through two sets of tyres in a year, which cost about 8K, and then he only managed to kind of get 5,000K out of general driving and then added it all up with uh, servicing and insurance, etc. He sort of estimated it was between 15 and 16 Aussie um, a year just to basically run his GT3. Yeah, but I think that I think you're right. That's using it, <clears throat> and maybe Nicholas can clarify this. But I think that's using it as a track car, and maybe yeah, driving just, it oh, every day and using it as a track car. I think. 
I just read it and found it really interesting. I'm not sort of saying, hey, bullshit or anything, not at all. Um, but it's just uh, really interesting that um, he kind of said that because that um, uh, it just just by comparison to my experience of it is extraordinarily high, like in terms of the um, the tire wear and the kind of costs involved. Um, just interesting because like I thought I sort of ran my GT3. I don't run it as a daily, but I thought like it's sort of relatively uh, well used and I know I don't track it, which is an expensive exercise, but um, I wouldn't get near like that kind of tire wear or that type of um, maintenance money on my car. So it's just really interesting that um, somebody has like that type of experience. I can't remember, and maybe if Nicholas is listening to this podcast, he can actually get his message, but I can't remember um, how many miles a year was he doing? Did he say uh, I don't think, I don't think he said. I don't think it said. But it he just showed... He said, mm. for example, that he said like um, about 5,000K out of a set of tyres, um, which okay. obviously with track time, I guess, sort of changes it a lot. But, um, man, I'd be crying if I only got 5,000 kilometres out of 5, a set of tyres. 5,000 kilometres. How much do you get out of your rears now? Um, I reckon I'd still get probably, as a guess, I reckon I'd be getting maybe about... Twelve to fifteen thousand. Wow, so that's a big difference. Three times what he. Yeah. See, this is the thing in very in the varying costs of owning a Porsche. You know what I mean? Like you've got yeah. one person saying they spend this much, and you're saying you spend that much. So, I guess it is how hard you drive it. I guess it is where you drive it. Um, hmm. But that's I don't, that's a, and look, I don't drive that hard, so I I know that I'm um, not you know sort of like that. But I, w- I was I was very curious and very surprised um, when um, he just sort of mentioned that that was his basic kind of running costs, et cetera, because mm. um, it's just different to my experience. Yeah, so it was a big range from what you said you paid per year to what Nicholas said he pays per year. It's like it's, yeah, it's a big I don't, range. I don't think I'd sort of figured out a number and I didn't sort of say it on the podcast, but it certainly wouldn't be um, fifteen to 16000 a year. Yeah. I guess all, everyone's ownership case. costs are different, huh? Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah. I guess track days do eat up the rubber, though. I guess you, if you're doing track days and you're doing and them brakes regularly, and all that, sort and of the stuff, brakes yeah. they eat up. Yeah, the brakes, the cost of that maintenance and everything. So, I guess it would add up pretty quickly. Um, yeah, yeah I reckon my maintenance costs would be my my maintenance and running costs would be. Surely they'd be kind of pretty much on par with yours, wouldn't they? I think they're pretty similar. I think your yeah, service. I, is, I think they charge you slightly more for your service because I think they charge more for GT3s, don't they? Or do, mm, do they do that pricing? I don't know. But, uh? Some of the consumables would be more expensive. Like, yeah. You know, um, all of that type of thing yeah, definitely would be. I don't think there's sort of but, like a GT3 tax kind of thing. But, but do Auto House follow the? Because Porsche, if you look at Porsche service prices, when I can find them on their website for whatever dealer, mm. the GT3 mm. costs for servicing minor, major, and annual are, are slightly higher than the base 997 Carrera. Right. They're slightly higher. I don't know whether order house follows that. No, it's this is or just the base. Or? Maybe, maybe it is consumables, but it's slightly higher, yeah. But yeah, not a lot. Maybe. Not not what you would think. Not what you think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just going back to the point, which was I, you know, like just in sort of like if anybody was curious about the running costs, um, I would have thought like the running costs for my car isn't like crazy amount higher than um your Carrera. I don't even know what my running costs are. I should. Yeah, I haven't figured them out as well. But maybe um, I should. I just wouldn't have thought that they would run like fifteen to sixteen k a year. So mm. just very interesting. Again, like not not at all sort of calling bullshit or suggesting anything um, otherwise. But it's just interesting. 
Mm. But then again, I think last year I would have spent, well, I can tell you now, I think I spent, I think Order House cost me almost three grand when I was at Order, Order House in February. For a service? Service, major service. And then I had the uh, oil pressure sensor. I think it could have been three to three and a half grand. I have it's off the top of my head. And oh. then with registration insurance, so, you know, that's five. And then it's over, it's probably like six, at least six and a half thousand Australian. That's just for those yeah. three things. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 so like that would be kind of sort of and then, fair. And then if you add in the steering rack, which I need to be done, that's supposed to be close to two, 1500. So that's eight. So that would have had to be done in the year. So that's 8,000. Yep. So last year was probably 8,000 costs, 8,000 Australian. Yep. So, you know, and that's probably scaring some people when they're listening, going, well, how can you pay so much money? Um, but it, it, it was about 8,000 Australian. So 8,000 Australian is about you know, 6,000 US, around about. Yeah, but you're still also talking about a 12-year-old car. You're not true, about true. a brand new one. Which, like so. I said before, the cost of the, of the Porsche is less than you know, and I was going to an independent, is less than what it was costing me for the Audi in the end. It's yeah. a bit like you're, yeah. you're changing from the 993 to the GT3. My Audi being, yep. you know, 12 years old or whatever it was, and then the cost that it was costing me in the end, it just got to a point like, you know, it, it was just too expensive, you know? Hmm. Absolutely. So, so Porsche isn't that expensive. It is reasonable. Um, you've got to pick the right one. You've got to find a good example. But when you do, I think, you know, you'll find that it's not, it's not that scary and it's something that, you know, you will never regret, regret once you do it. Yeah. All right, Steve. I think we've gone uh, cool. way over time today. I, I, sorry. No, 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 don't be sorry. I think it's good we've got lots to talk about. We haven't finished everything, I don't think, but I think we'll stop it there. Um, these podcasts cool. always are about an hour. I think we've gone for an hour Three. and a half almost. I think we've gone for a long today. So I hope everyone's still there. I hope everyone's still listening. All right, Steve. Thanks, thanks, yeah, mate. Cool. Yeah, no, no worries. Take care. Have a good week. Um, you too. I'll talk you to too. you pretty soon, no doubt. So this episode will go up on Friday. As everyone knows, I've said it before, and it's available everywhere. Um, okay, thanks for listening. Um, I'm, uh, I am. I am. I am Porsche. Um, my name is Michael <laughs> Bath. Um, that's Steve coming all the way from Sydney. Uh, this is the Porsche School Podcast. Thank you for listening, and bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>